Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com slash explore. Welcome back to the final four. It's not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And Michigan State wins this one at the buzzer, 71 to 69. Um, great finish on this one, Rod. I guess we'll start in the first half. They they get the lead out to about 10 um, for a little while there. And Minnesota kind of claws their way back. Uh, and then they try to foul a couple times right toward the end on the last possession of the half, and then Peyton Willis winds up hitting a uh, a three to go into halftime up. Uh, Spartans only up three. And then the second half, they just battled it out um, all the way out to the last possession. Uh, Curry gets hurt. Um, and then the, just that amazing play at the end. That's the second game now where we've seen a, a kind of a game winner that's just a beautiful team play. Yeah, um, let's start. Let's start with that because obviously, um, you know, that's that's the part that uh, you know you're you're most <laughs> interested in. It's the bottom line. Right? Yeah, that was um, awesome. It was it was a great play, and I, I'm I'm it's probably the best play either of those guys. Certainly the biggest either of those two guys has made in their MSU careers Mm -hmm. short, short as they are about a season and a half now for both. Um, AJ just, you know, great vision, Joey to make the catch hang and then finish on a night when MSU had some trouble finishing. Yeah. Um, you know, really, really great and, and impressive stuff. And, uh, hats off to both of those guys because they've, they both come in for their share of criticism and, um, you know, they made the play. Yeah. Uh, and the bottom line is Michigan State is 5-0 and in the league. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's I, – I mean, there there were some positives in this, but I'm telling you, they got to take it up several levels quick. Yeah. Really quickly if, if they're going to remain a title contender. And that, I'm not – trying to take anything away from minnesota i actually think minnesota played really really well in this game hats off to them i think ben johnson is pretty you know they're one and four in the league right now mm-hmm. and they've they've played a lot better than that the one the one game that just got away from them was that game against illinois mm-hmm. other than that I mean, then i guess the first michigan state game wasn't all that competitive we talked about the final score kind of flattering the performance but that's that's a team that played like a veteran group, which they are, and they looked like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, uh, but so not to take anything away from them, but Michigan State, uh, since they've come back into Big Ten play, I do not think they've played well defensively, and the defensive rebounding has been a nightmare. And tonight is yeah. 
maybe the worst defensive rebounding performance I can remember. I'm sure there have been worse ones, but actually I shouldn't say that because this team is dead last in the country. Dead Mm -hmm. last in offensive rebounding percentage, and they ate Michigan State's lunch. Yeah. Killed them. It was almost like they weren't even expecting it. They, they, it's like they, they hadn't even. I, I can't even recall anyone ever cutting out. It was no. they just jumping after the ball. It, that was some it. of it, some of it was Michigan State going for shot blocks and taking themselves out of position. But and some of it was bad breaks, which will happen. You know, ball. They had a lot of plays. Bingham had four blocks in this game. I want to say Michigan State didn't get possession on any of them. I could be wrong about that, but it seemed that way. And I know there were at least a couple of them where Minnesota got the offensive rebound. So some of those were bad breaks. But look, Minnesota had 12 offensive rebounds. Their previous high in a game on the year was eight. <laughs> That's That should not happen. And they really cashed in. I don't know where it ended up. I know that at the point they had nine offensive rebounds, they had 14 second-chance points. Unfortunately, I, uh, the the detailed box score is uh, is not up yet, so um, I I can't get access to that. But um, but uh, it, it's yeah, just shameful, shameful stuff. And and that made the defensive performance, which was not great, even worse mm-hmm. because when they would get a miss. They couldn't, I mean, Minnesota, let me do some quick math here. So they missed um, 35 shots. Oh, this is going to be really awful. 12 divided by 35. I mean, not apocalyptically bad, but 34%, little over 34%, 34.3%, let's call it, offensive rebounding rate. Mm. That's a good, solid performance in any game. For the worst offensive rebounding team in America to do that against you, that is, that is apocalyptically bad. And, and this has been a pattern. Yeah. Northwestern's a bad offensive rebounding team. They got some things done against Michigan State. Nebraska's a terrible offensive rebounding team. They got some things done at times. That, and, and as part of the whole on defense, they have backslid. There is no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. The question is going to be, can they find it again? I, I just thought, you know, and again, give Minnesota full credit, but – I thought Michigan State allowed them to be very, very comfortable in the shots that they got. They got easy shots. Now, give them one thing I will give them credit for. That's not a team that's forcing up threes, playing. You know, I watched. I watched the end of the Alabama Auburn game last night, and you know, <laughs> Alabama NATO is well known for this full tilt, hundred percent analytically driven offense. It's Shots at the rim and threes, that's it. Mm -hmm. And when the shots are going, it looks great. But when they're not, and the shot selection last night, both ways in that game down the stretch, was one of the worst I've ever seen. It was both ways. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. But um, Minnesota was, they're not playing Alabama ball. They they took and hit mid-range shots. I thought that battle in the second half, you know, his overall numbers don't look great. He was 5 for 13, but he was yeah. tough in the second half. I thought Willis, again, the overall numbers don't look great, 6 for 17, but I thought he got a lot of shots that were good looks for him. He was mm-hmm. patient, and he took what he could get. Stevens had a good game for them. I mean, it just and, – and Curry in the post again killed him. And we'll, we'll talk about the lineup decisions and, and all of that, but 
I would say this. Whatever Marcus Bingham is doing to piss the Michigan State coaching staff off the last two games, is he needs to figure it out. Well, he <laughs> needs to figure it out and change it fast mm. because we have not yet seen the really, really high-level centers in this league. Keep that in mind. Yeah, You know, we've had guys, Walker from Nebraska, now, when Walker's been playing really well, he gave Illinois fits yesterday, and he played very well against Ohio State the game before MSU saw him. So he's been playing well, but still, that, that should not happen. Curry has torched him twice. Um, I guess Northwestern's bigs, well, actually the one big kid, their backup, had a good game. Um, but we haven't seen the highest level guys. We haven't seen the Purdue bigs. We haven't seen Coburn. Yeah. We haven't seen Dickinson. It's going to get much tougher and Michigan State has to have Marcus Bainham playing at a higher level than we've seen lately. I mean, four blocks looks nice. But if you watch that game, you know, I, I got a feeling one of the things might be, as I'm looking at the stats, he had two rebounds in this game. So I've got a feeling that was probably part of it. Yeah, because all those um, reboundings, it wasn't like they racked those up on the small ball lineup. That was primarily no, no. when either Mar- Marble or Bingham were in there. Yeah. Well, Marble's one thing. I, I don't have expectations for him as a rebounder. I just don't. But which is why you had the small ball lineup in there, mm-hmm. by the way, because Zizzo doesn't either. But um, but Marcus Bainham two rebounds. Come on, yeah, come on. And 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 that's that has got to change. I thought he was, you know, Marcus at times is just lets guys sort of bury him. Mm-hmm gives up position way too easily, that's going to be death against some of the better posts in the league. I mean, I watched the entirety of the uh, Illinois-Nebraska game and uh, last night, and to see Coburn and think about that, you know, an engaged Marcus Bainham is one thing. But Marcus Bainham, like we've seen the last couple games, that that's just not going to get it done, mm-hmm. period. So there are some individuals, and, and as a team, there's a lot of soul searching that ought to go on. Nobody should really, I, it's, it's fun to win a game at the buzzer. They should feel relieved. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have celebrated, but man, five minutes after, after that in the locker room, let's, let's start <laughs> thinking about what needs to change because right. right now from a defensive perspective, they are not playing championship level basketball, not even close offensively. You know, the, the story is a little bit better. Um, and they did some things okay in this game. Actually, better than okay. They shot the ball really well. Uh-huh. Um, and turnovers weren't a total disaster. Uh, but, you know, defense, the way they were playing defense in November and, and right up to about Christmas time was the reason that I was starting to become very optimistic that this team could hang in there with anybody in the Big Ten. Because defense travels. Defense, defense doesn't tend to slump. Well, they're actually going through a defensive slump right now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure other than I can, I can see they're not happy with Bingham. Um, I think that the point guards tonight did not do a very good job. Um, the I mean, it was everywhere. The Wayne's got just taken to school by Stevens. Mm-hmm. Um, he killed them. So there's a lot of soul searching that's got to go on and, and they've got to figure some things out because right now, team opponents are just being able to be way too comfortable 
they're getting they're getting very good looks at the basket. And if if your hopes are pinned on guys missing good shots, you're going to get results like tonight or worse, mm-hmm. where you actually lose a game like this. You know that's the thing. Michigan State offensively, you've got to look at it and say, played a reasonable game, shot better than fifty percent from the floor, shot forty three percent from three, hit their free throws. Uh, and add 13 turnovers, which isn't too excessive. Mm-hmm. They they had to win at the buzzer. <laughs> I mean, what, what does that tell you about about this game? It's the defensive side. That's where this was not lost, but nearly lost. Yeah, I mean they had 50, they had 62 attempts to Michigan State's 52. That hardly yeah. ever happens. Right, and Michigan State had a few more free throws, but not enough to make up that gap. I mean, it was look, it was a combination. Minnesota's a low turnover team, and they were, frankly, the eight that they had, that's probably about as much as you can expect from them. Mm -hmm. So there was a five turnover gap. That's not a big deal. If you told me five turnover gap going in, I would have felt very good about things because I would have figured, well, they'll make that up or more on the boards. No, no, no. 12 to 6, doubled MSU in offensive rebounds. The rebounding rate they won. Um, it was just a poor, poor, poor performance in totality on the defensive side. As I said, I, I can't put it any more simply than this. If that doesn't change fast, there's going to be a problem coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Walker not playing? All the I, you know, the game. I mean, Hogan played well, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. And, you know, we always record these things immediately after. So we don't have the benefit of um, the post game. I'm curious about that because, you know, Walker seemed to get hurt early in the second half. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, then he came back and he had that great run where he scored seven in a row. Yeah. Um, and got them a working lead again, and then he came off and he never came back. Now, he was out there. I saw him celebrating, but I don't know if maybe there was something. The the only thing I can think of is that there was um, some kind of tweak. Obviously, nothing that seemed too bad because he wasn't in the locker room. He wasn't in obvious pain. You know, there was nothing like that, but... um, I, other than that, I don't know, because the only other answer is, well, they just felt that Hogard was the better answer, which, you know, the last play aside, I'm pretty convinced isn't the case. Yeah. Um, I mean, AJ made some big plays, but he also had some rough moments, too. And and down the stretch in a game like that, um, definitely offensively, I could maybe understand it, although I think Walker's a better defender overall, but... You know, there might be a thought that Willis is a little bigger, mm. and so maybe they wanted some additional size out there on him. That could be an argument for it. But even then, okay, let's go defense offense because Tyson Walker is just – Tyson Walker is a legitimate shooting threat. I know A.J. hit the one jumper, but um, he's not a shooting threat. That was that was the thing I was so nervous about on that last possession is that it was going to come down to A.J. having to take a jumper. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, thankfully. He was able to penetrate and make that play. But, you know, if you've got Tyson out there, you don't have to worry about that. You will live with him taking a jumper. Yeah. He's a good shooter. Um, but I don't know. There, there were two. 
two interesting decisions. That was one. And then, of course, the other one was staying with the small ball lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, and we talked about why. I'm, I'm definitely, I don't have any doubt about what that's about. That, that's about Marcus Bingham doing mul- something or multiple things on the defensive end that pissed them off. And, and, and then frankly, it's more than that. It's not just punishment. It's also that I think they figured, well, if he's playing this way, he's not going to give us a sufficient chance to win the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Michigan state got lucky because with that small ball lineup, I mean, I just thought, man, if I'm Ben Johnson and he coached a great game tonight, but I think one thing he maybe missed was when Michigan State went to that lineup, I think I would have gone to Curry every single possession, mm-hmm. every one. Because if, if Marcus was struggling against him, Joey had relatively no shot to yeah. guard him. And, and that really turned the tides at the end there because on the other end, conversely, Malik Hall took him to school like two or three times in a row. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and offensively, I think you can say it was fine. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, defensively, again, I, I can get with the argument that, hey, Marky's not bringing much anyway. Yeah, but what, what the I hell? Just, we're getting killed on the glass? We're getting I really, beaten Marky? I, I, I hear that, and and obviously, you know, you defer to the guy who knows what he's doing here. But I, I will not lie. I wondered about the wisdom of sticking with that lineup. I mean, I really felt like, this is teaching time. Mm-hmm. This is him teaching with playing time kind of stuff, which we've seen him do before and many times. And, and they, they got away with it. They got the win. And the guy who was in there instead of the guy I probably would have liked to have seen is the guy who hit the winner. Yeah. But, um, but you know, just, ugh. yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Getting back to the point guard thing. I, I don't know. I mean, Tyson, what do you end up with? So he had, well, you know, part of the problem, three assists, three turnovers. And it was after that scoring run that he had two really bad plays in a row. He had mm-hmm. one where he was kind of quasi-penetrating and was looking to to kick the ball in the corner of Jaden Akins while jumping. He got himself in the air, and it, it was picked off. It was just a, a poor decision. And then I think it was the very next possession, he had an ill-timed handoff to Max Christie, which then Hogard did the same thing later, which was cute to see mm. them both do it. Great stuff. But, uh, <laughs> but that, maybe that was it. Maybe that's what got him yanked. You know, it might've been that little sequence of two straight possessions. I don't know. Mm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think obviously Tyson had the, the one stretch where he just sort of took over. He ended up four for nine from the floor and had, what I think is the strangest miss I may have ever seen. He had that play <laughs> in the first half where he just made a great move. Yeah. And had a had a wide open finger roll attempt at the rim and somehow missed didn't just miss the shot. He missed the entirety of the rim. Yeah, it just kind of flew, flung off his yeah. finger. Yeah, yeah the only weird. thing I could think of is that it just it slipped. It slipped off his hand. But um you know, he did have that run when they needed it, where he hit a three, had a, a great, great play where he split the defense mm-hmm. and finished at the rim, which was great to see. Because that's that's the kind of move that I think Tyson Walker clearly has in him, and we don't see him try to make that play enough. Uh-huh. Hogard does, and Hogard isn't nearly as capable as he is at it. But being able to split defenders 
and um, and then get to the rim and finish. That's something that very definitely is within Tyson Walker's capabilities, and Michigan State would be better served if he did it more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Gabe Brown, 13 minutes, four rebounds, two assists, um, a steal. Pretty damn aggressive tonight at trying to yeah. get to the rim. And and he was rewarded with eight free throws, of which he hit mm-hmm. all of them. Yeah. And that was critical because he, he didn't have a great game shooting the ball. He was two for seven overall, one for five on threes. And they were mm-hmm. all good shots. I mean, I don't, I don't question any of them. They just didn't go for him tonight. He was the only guy, really, who didn't shoot well. Uh, he had half of Michigan State's misses, yeah. <laughs> as a matter of fact, from three. Um, but obviously he had stretches in this game as well where he made a lot of big plays. And, um, you know, it's another one of these examples of where you look at it and you say, well, Gabe didn't do a lot, and you, you still look up and he had 13 points. Yeah, <laughs> yep. That's Yeah, he's he's been consistent. Uh, and then Christie, 32 minutes, 16 points, five rebounds, four assists, um, one steal. Kind of got away from him a little bit in the second half, but it seems like the production's starting to come around with him. It does. I, I was The only thing I was disappointed in is at winning time, you really, you really want to see if somebody's going to emerge, and it sure seems like they want it to be him Yeah, from the way they played it. Um, you want him to have success, and it was actually the worst stretch of basketball Max played all night. Yeah. Take away the last four minutes, and he was great. You know, another really good performance. So that's that's definitely one of the bright sides to come out of this game mm-hmm. was that Max Christie played very very well for most of it on offense at least. I think defensively, both he and Gabe were not were not up to their usual standards. Yeah, um, he Stevens in particular really gave Max problems, but um, but offensively, man, yeah, he looks dialed in. I mean, seven for twelve, two for three on threes, just looked calm and composed for most of the night and as i say unfortunately had a little bit of a rough ride late but you know learning experiences we got to remember he's a freshman you're you're giving him these opportunities at this level for the first time and so there's going to be a learning curve i actually that that last possession where they did that i guess it was the what was it the second to last possession was when they were up two and they kind of cleared out for him and he went to the rim yeah, yeah. It was it was a good decision because he was going hard. He was looking to dunk that, mm-hmm. and I think it was a combination of the ball on the replay. You could see it a little more clearly. I think the ball got away from him a little bit, and then Battle was there to meet him at the mm-hmm. rim. So those two things resulted in him not scoring. But I like the intent. Yeah, and it was interesting because he had it out top and was sort of looking at Izzo like, okay, what do I call? What do I yeah. call? And, and then like. <laughs> so it's just kind of looking around a little bit, waits till 10 seconds, and then he, he yells something out, and then Christy just immediately goes for it. So that yep. was clearly coming right from Izzo, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. And, and a couple a couple other possessions late, too, they did similar things where they were putting the ball in his hand. It just didn't work out. But, yeah. um, but I like the intention, and I, I think his overall performance was another indicator that we're, we're starting to see Max – really settle in mm-hmm. yeah uh joey 27 minutes eight points five rebounds and assists four for five from the floor uh missed a three only one turnover and then the game winner you know I, <laughs> i'm glad to see him have that moment 
I think I think that was that's really big, you know. Yeah, for him, for him it's going to be big. I think him to hit a game winner, you know, he kind of he just survived it. That you know, it was tough, a tough defensive assignment, you know, um, and and he he got it done. I mean, he was uh, he was there when they needed him, mm-hmm. and you can't at the biggest moment. You can't you can't say. Um, much better than that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, Bingham six points, only two rebounds. Good yeah. start. Yeah, he, he did start, start well. to the game offensively. You know, he was aggressive. He, I, I'll tell you, the moment that I felt it went wrong for him, that I just thought, okay, he doesn't have it tonight, was in the second half. He had that play where they got him the ball in the post, and I think. I think they were up six or eight. And it was a real opportunity to kind of put, and they had a couple of these. They had another one where they were up six and Gabe took a three and kind of um, uh, secondary transition and just mm-hmm. missed it. They had a couple of these moments where it felt like if they hit this shot, it's going to break their back. Yeah. And they didn't hit them. But Marquis was worse. Gabe was just a good shot that was missed. You can live with that. But Marky got the ball in the post. And I think it was against Daniels. I don't even think it was Curry. And he's backing him down and backing him down, and it's right there for him. Just take the ball into the middle of the lane and shoot that little half hook. Mm -hmm. But instead, he goes the other way and makes it into a much tougher shot by shooting a fadeaway. He's capable of hitting that, but it's just not the right decision. And then, you know, Joey was going for the offensive rebound. It looked like he had it, and then Markey came in and knocked the ball loose, and Minnesota ends up with it. Um, and Minnesota then hit some shots, and they get right back in it. But it, that was disappointing to me. It was it was Markey giving in, mm-hmm. you know, which you just and, – and, and again, we know that he's capable of hitting some of those shots, but that's giving in. In that moment, in that situation – Take the ball into the lane. Take that one extra dribble, that one extra step. Get yourself into the middle of the lane. He had backed him down where it was going to be like a five-footer. Mm-hmm. And take that shot. Don't turn that into a tougher shot, which is what he did. And so, yeah, I, I, I think just disappointing, a disappointing game for him. The two rebounds especially. That's just – that should not happen. Yeah. Uh, Malik Hall, 23 minutes, 7.7 rebounds and assist. Hit a three-pointer. Um, most well, of that he, was in the second half or maybe all of it late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the scoring came in the second half and it came kind of in a flurry, similar to the way Walker had his, his run. Yeah. Uh, look, Malik Hall has shown that he is fully capable of getting good shots for himself at all times. I mean, I know that's a strong statement, but I believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he is an extremely tough cover because he's a capable three-point shooter. He's still above 50% on the season. And we're, you know, we're knocking on the halfway point. It isn't a fluke. He's not a 50-plus guy, mm-hmm. but he's not a 30% guy either. So he's proven that. And then you watch some of the things that he does. Now, he's a guy for whom a turnaround in the post is not a bad shot. Yeah, that fadeaway is a weapon. Uh, and he had that one. He had one move where he put, it was battle, I think. He put him in the spin cycle. I think he made, he threw three moves at him. Yeah. 
using his pivot, keeping his pivot foot, staying calm. That's I've said this many times already this season. The thing I like about Malik, and it was really exhibited in that play, the thing I like most is this season he doesn't often look hurried to me. He looks like he's playing at his own tempo. He's calm and collected pretty much always. And that doesn't mean he hits every shot, makes every play, but it means he's going to put himself in position to do those things mm. pretty consistently. And once he got engaged, we saw that tonight. Now, I don't know why it took him that long to get engaged in this game. I am glad he showed up when he did. The seven rebounds was a team high, and on a night where they were terrible, he had six defensive rebounds and needed every single one of them. Mm-hmm. I think he had something to do with holding battle. I mean, battle still was okay, but he wasn't as good as he normally is. And Malik had something to do with that, just like he did in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so a good game from him. You're just left thinking, man, he can do more than this consistently. We know he can. They've just got to find ways to get him to unlock that every time out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then AJ, five points, one rebound, six assists to one turnover, a block and a steal. Yeah, you know, um, weird game for him. Missed a couple layups where he's been pretty good mm. with those. Um, but the, the six assists to one turnover, that might, you know, I, the Walker thing again, I, I don't know if there was any health issue there. But um, if there wasn't, then I suspect that was really it that they felt like A.J. was just doing a better job. And, and look, he wasn't perfect. You saw down the stretch yes. he had. You know, I don't put anything on him with that missed three. That was, you know, four seconds on the clock that, you know, whatever. Nothing, Nothing's going to happen. And then uh, he just got stuck with the ball. But then he had, you know, he had that penetration move where he really should have finished. There was no excuse for not finishing. He didn't. Malik gets fouled on the rebound, and then Malik misses the free throw. Mm-hmm. Um, that kept things interesting. It allowed them to come down and tie it actually, but Hey, he stepped up and made the play of the game along with Joey to win it. So, you know, you, you give him credit for that. And as I've said a few times this year, uh, I have my criticisms of AJ Hogarth, but I don't know that there are too many teams around the country that have a backup point guard who can help more than he does mm. doesn't mean he's perfect by a long shot but this is a guy who absolutely can make plays to help you win games as we saw tonight yeah uh marble 13 minutes four points two rebounds a block but three turnovers <sighs> yeah I, I you know look this is a game i understand curry's been playing really well and and by the way that that injury didn't look good I, that no. that could really be I, I hate to say it, but um, if that is something serious, uh, you might put a fork in Minnesota. For as competitive as they are, and as well as that group plays together, that's uh, they really can't afford an injury to anybody because of you know the, the way their roster is this year, which we've talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they don't they don't have any depth, but that's like the worst. I mean they. I guess that you could say, well, they can plug Daniels in there, but man, that's a big step down. Yeah. I mean, um, (laughs) and, and I, I think, you know, the reason I bring Curry up is Curry's playing well, but Curry's like six, eight, six, nine. Mm -hmm. He's strong, but Julius Marble should be able to get more done against a guy that sized though. The guys who, who would give Julius more trouble would be the guys with length, Mm -hmm. you know, 
Um, Curry's not that guy. So I don't understand why, you know, that's got to be, it's partially on the guards for not getting the ball. It's partially on Julius for not establishing position. He got called for an offensive foul, which I thought was, and that's, you know, I I do want to talk about that a little bit. Um, I know that offensive foul was a bad call. It, It wasn't so much that I thought this crew was terrible, but, I really, really did think they let a lot of contact go at the rim, especially with Michigan State's guards. Mm. Did you feel the same way? Yeah. Um, I guess I'd rather have it that way than not. <laughs> I, than I agree with way. you. On, on balance, on balance, yeah. But, yeah, I, it did seem like there was, there was quite a bit. Yeah. It just made me think about that. I wanted to mention it because I really thought both Hogard and Walker got and, – and, you know, give credit to Minnesota. Minnesota – not a big team, but they played very physically, and it showed up in a lot of ways in this one. Mm-hmm. And um, that was one of them. You know, they were physical with Michigan State's guards trying to finish at the rim, and they didn't get called. So, great, you know, great defensive play. But um, I, I just felt, getting back to Julius, I just felt like this was a game he could have done more than he did. Mm-hmm. And and you see, you see where the coaching staff's thinking is, I think, down the stretch where they went with Joey at the five instead of Julius, you know, it says something. Yeah. I mean, just, you look at, at marble and Bingham, their size, it's just, it's, they should be rebounding better. (laughs) I mean, they just, well, I've said this about my, the difference is Marky has, this was an anomaly for him. Julius marble has just never been a good rebounder and it's not physical capability. So, it, it's a combination, I think, of instincts and work rate, mm-hmm. your motor. And and the instincts, part. actually both of those things, are hard to coach up. You know, rebounding is, yes, size, strength, all of that matters. But so does timing. And just, uh, you know, they, they describe it, the cliche, as a nose for the ball, right? Yeah. But that's true. That actually exists, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the the ultimate were were guys like two guys who played for the Pistons, like Rodman. Dennis Rodman and Ben Wallace. Yeah, both of them. Th- these are two of, I would say, easily the best ten rebounders of the last forty years. Those two guys would be on any list, and they both were. You know, Rodman was maybe six seven, Wallace maybe six seven, playing center. And, and the reason those guys were so good had a lot to do with that nose for the ball thing, that they they had a sense, an instinct for where the ball was going to go. And that's that's not luck. It's, I think, it comes down to, in part, an ability to quickly judge. And, and by judging, I don't mean that you're consciously thinking about it. It's reaction, right? Yeah. But to quickly have a sense for where a shot is going to go uh, pretty much on release. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's how you're six, eight and you win rebounding titles and you put up numbers that nobody had seen since Wilt Chamberlain as Rodman did. Yeah. Or you win multiple rebounding titles the way Wallace did being undersized guys. You know, Julius is not that undersized for this level. I mean, he's not a big, big player, but he's big enough. Mm-hmm. That it, it's not that it's not, well, he's just, you know, he's just not strong enough. He's just a little undersized. It's not that it's just, I just don't think he has that nose for the ball. And some guys don't, 
And, you know, if you don't, I think you're limited as to just how good a rebounder you can ever be. And I've seen enough of Julius Marble that I, I would be shocked if he ever became a good rebounder. I think he can be a passable rebounder, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I ever, I think he can ever be a good one. We just haven't seen any evidence of it. Yeah. You know, that's why I say it's disappointing. He didn't do more tonight offensively because that's the one thing that you know, you can get from him mm-hmm. is he can, he can go score in the post and he just hasn't been doing that very well lately. Uh, and then Jaden Aikens, um, 13 minutes, two points, four rebounds, an assist, block, a steal. Yeah, the block was really good. Um, you know, he's – this is who he is for right now. I mean, you can have you can have some hope that maybe as we get into February, it'll start to be a little more evened out. But I feel like right now, offensively, he can hit shots, so that matters. But he's kind of – He's here. He's up and down in terms of how smoothly things run when he's on the floor on offense. Mm. I do like him generally defensively. And look, he's an energy guy, point blank. And so he's almost always going to find a way to make a play or two that's going to wow you. And he did tonight. That shot block was great. Now, unfortunately, it was another one. I mean, Michigan State had seven blocks. And in my mind, all seven of them, Minnesota got back. I don't know that it was exactly that, but it was close. They got a ton of those back. That was another one, if I remember correctly. He blocks the shot, and Minnesota scoops it up and gets a land. Yeah, it's like, oops, what I found right by the rim. Yep, there were a lot lot of those. But, you know, that's the game, Mm -hmm. right? The game is you get a stop, you get a missed shot or block, whatever it is, you have to close the possession out. Michigan State just didn't do that at all yeah and you'd have to say well who's the other guy that's not you know blocking those guys out because yeah you can get a block but if the guy's standing right in front of the basket he didn't get blocked out you know (laughs) right well that's the thing and they did have there were several times where it wasn't just one guy trying to block a shot or successfully blocking a shot it was it seemed like it was a couple guys flying at him. I just, I don't think they were very responsible. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that's what the way Izzo diagnoses it. He's probably gonna have a lot stronger language than that, um, certainly in practice. But uh, I just didn't, yeah, I didn't think they were very responsible with the way they went about rebounding. Mm-hmm. They just gave Minnesota opportunities, and you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, so. The first key was turnovers. You know, to eight. I mean, that's not too like bad. Like I said, yeah, like I said, if you told me the gap was five, I would have taken that. This is a very, I think they were sixth coming in in turnover rate nationally. So you look at that and, you, you know, I think I said in the preview, what you don't want is you don't want like a 10 turnover gap. Well, they didn't yeah. have that. 13 to eight is not terrible. And, you know, that's uh now, some of them were ill-timed, but, uh, you know, all in all, that's a number you can live with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then zone offense, I they don't recall them going, any. yeah, like like half a possession. <laughs> yep, the only time I half remember. a possession. I was very surprised. Very surprised. So, yeah, that's on me, non-factor, because they didn't play it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and give them, you know, that's the thing. Michigan State 
had to play well offensively. I don't want to say this was a total disaster because I thought Minnesota really guarded well. Mm-hmm. I thought they were physical. I thought they were aggressive, but smart. They also weren't excessively fouling. And and they made life tough on Michigan State. Michigan State just shot the ball really well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they proved capable of playing good man defense in this game. Didn't really have to go to the zone. And, and I think that's, like, what was so good about Ben Johnson's game is the scheme in that, like, Michigan State probably wasn't expecting them to go after offensive rebounds the way they were, and they probably weren't expecting them to play man that much. Um, right. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. Um, what I'm interested in, and this is a longer-term thing that we're not going to get an answer to for probably another couple years at least, is Ben Johnson, I'm, I'm just evaluating it by the, the places he's been, the programs that he's coached in, you know, he coached at Minnesota. He, he coached at Xavier. Um, I would expect that over the long haul, he, what you saw tonight is the way that he would like his teams to play mm-hmm. in terms of being aggressive on the boards, being a very solid physical man to man defensive team. I would assume that's what he wants. Uh, he's just caught in a spot where he really can't do that stuff or hasn't been able to until tonight um, consistently. But I'm going to be interested to see if that's the way that program tilts going forward, because that's what I would have expected of him with his background. Mm -hmm. And it felt like he was rolling the dice. And I think he was a little bit to some degree because there, like you'd mentioned earlier, there was a couple moments in that game where it's like, if they had just hit that one shot, it could have yeah. put them over the hump, and yep. and they they stayed just close enough to I think keep their energy up because there was well, times where they were they were really sucking wind. Yep, absolutely. And it's funny because I do, and we'll get to this in a second, but I don't think Michigan State did a great job in their transition game, in part because they couldn't defensive rebound. That yeah. had a lot to do with it, but um, nevertheless, it still took a lot out of them because. Minnesota played, even in a half-court game, Minnesota played really physically mm-hmm. in this game, really physically. And so that's, even in a slower-paced game, that's going to suck some life out of you. I mean, that takes energy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they were, but they were sucking wind at certain points, but you're absolutely right. It seemed every time, it was the case, every time the game was right there on the precipice, Yes, Michigan State helped, unfortunately, by missing a shot. You know, a couple times that happened. You know, I mentioned the Gabe three that could have put him up nine. Markey had a possession to either put him up eight or ten, I think it was, Mm -hmm. um, and made an easy shot into a more difficult one. But that's one part of it. You got to get the miss, right? But then the other part of the equation is you have to be able to actually take advantage of that. Opportunity uh-huh. and Minnesota did that repeatedly. <laughs> I mean, they just it seemed to me like every time they needed an answer and a game was right there where you thought this could be it. Nope. Yeah. Minnesota comes down, hits a shot. I mean, they did that when the when the Tyson Walker flurry happened and they pushed it out. I think that might have been when they pushed it out to eight. Um, they answered. Yeah. You know? They just they stepped up and they responded and so hats off to them for that. I really hope for their team and and honestly, 
for Michigan State because I want Minnesota. I want this Minnesota team to be able to beat some people. You know, now that we're done with them, help us out. So I really do hope that Curry is okay. It, mm. it did not look good, but you know, who knows? Because um, with Curry, that team can beat some people. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I'm I'm overrating them by suggesting that it's not going to be every night out, but they've got enough. And and seeing the way they kept responding tonight on the road, that's a good sign that if they're at full strength, they can they can hang with some people. Mm. You know, I see no reason why that team, especially at home, and I, I haven't looked at their schedule to see if they even played these games, but I don't see why that team couldn't hang with a Wisconsin. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. They've had a pretty difficult schedule so far. I mean, two Michigan yeah, State they, they games in Illinois. I mean, that's it's Illinois at home, and then and then IU and MSU and Michigan on the road, and they've and they won the one game on the road at Michigan. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I hope that they're able to get it back. But anyway, uh, the third key boards. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it just. That to me is the number one thing because look, Minnesota ends up shooting what did they shoot? 40, 44. 44% from the floor, right? But that number was inflated by the second chance baskets, and they had a bunch of them. So in reality, their first shot percentage was substantially lower than that. It was honestly where you would probably want it to be. And that's even saying that I didn't think Michigan state played a great game defensively, mm-hmm. but it was, it was good enough that if, if they had done the job you would have expected them to do on the defensive boards, you're, you're talking certainly about a sub 40% shooting game for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. That's just fact. Um, for Michigan state to, you know, I had said in our preview, hey, one way you can allow them to hang around is to kick the ball around and have an excessively bad turnover game. Well, another way that I didn't even mention because I thought the odds of it were non-existent is exactly what we saw. Keep giving a team second chances. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because it's not even – and Michigan State fans should know this very well because we've been on the other end of it for so long when you are able to get second chance baskets consistently, it's not even just about the points. It's about the effect on the game. That is demoralizing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was demoralizing tonight. Wasn't it watching it? I felt demoralized. Yeah. I'll tell you that every time you like got to get a stop and you get a miss and then you can't terminate the possession. You can't close them out. Yeah. And, And there was just so many that were just immediately right back in. (laughs) <laughs> yep. like it wasn't even like they kicked it out or anything. Right. Yeah. They didn't have to work for another shot. They got an easy opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the fourth key is tempo. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was great. I mean, there were moments where Michigan state got some things, but not enough. I was, I was disappointed and look, because the game was so physical, they were still able to have Minnesota, you know, worn down at times. Although again, I would argue in a one possession game, it, uh, it really didn't impact that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Michigan state did not get a lot done in transition. That was kind of disappointing. I, I didn't even think they really pushed hard enough, but again, one, one big component of that is, uh, they didn't control the defensive boards. And when you don't do that, it's going to be harder to run. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and then wear them down. Well, look, I, I do as think you mentioned, the last four minutes they 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 had a couple flat shots that may have been a little due to some tiredness, yeah. but yeah, you can and and look, they were able they were able to score some. I, I want to say that down maybe even the last eight minutes of the game, um, what did they end up shooting? They were nine for 14 at the line. So a decent amount of their scoring late in this game actually came via the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this did not go, you know, when I'm talking about that, what I'm talking about is a scenario where it's maybe tight or a little tighter than you wanted with about eight minutes to go, and then you just kind of drop the hammer. Yeah, and that yeah. that just did not happen. I mean, clearly not. It went to the last possession. They are, they are well-conditioned. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Well, here's the thing. and I think I mentioned this in our preview, though. The one thing, even if they get Curry back, that um, you got to worry about if you're Ben Johnson, is right now they're okay. Hmm. But usually in these scenarios, it, it's not about, well, how conditioned, how well conditioned are they to be able to stand playing 35 plus minutes right. in a game in the middle of January? You can do that. Where is your gas tank come March mm-hmm. or, or late February? You know, are they going to, is the accumulation of big minute game after big minute game going to take its toll? That's where I would expect to see it for them. I would think the close to their season, it's going to be very difficult, but we'll see. They've defied the odds in a lot of ways already. So, and you know, it's kind of, when you're playing guys, 40 minutes, 38 minutes, uh, and you don't have anyone to come off the bench, you're going to run into situations like what they did with Curry, probably a lot more often than, than most teams, you know, you're just totally exhausted at the end of the game. You've fallen kind of on each other. That type of stuff happens. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it can. It, you're right. It can show. You could be good for 38 minutes, and then you just have those moments late where your focus. Because that's the thing. It's not even just being physically tired. That also has an impact on how sharp you are mentally. Yeah, when yeah. you're tired physically, you know, it has an impact on that too. So how focused you are in a big moment can definitely have an impact. It's a tough way to go, but. Obviously, he feels like he has no other choice. Yeah. Because he wouldn't be doing this otherwise. Well, that being said, it is a, another win um, for Michigan State. Any you know final thoughts on this one? Or? Well, as I said, um, a win is nice, but, man... <laughs> Starting, uh, you know, starting Saturday, I mean, Northwestern, we saw Northwestern had MSU down seven at the half in Evanston. Northwestern is capable of making this a game if Michigan State is not a lot better. And they're going to run good stuff, and they've got a lot of veteran guys, and they're going to they're gonna hit some shots, too. So Michigan State has got to take it up a whole lot from what we've seen lately. Mm-hmm. You know, because after Northwestern, it, it, it gets real <laughs> just with road games and strong opponents yeah. and sometimes both. Yeah. So what, what was up with this Roy Williams thing? Wasn't that kind of weird? I, you know, it apparently he's doing a little tour. They mentioned in the broadcast, he's, 
He's going to be uh, in West Virginia to see a game as well. I, I, I made the comment on the Spartan Mag board, and, and I'm sure some of our listeners will get what I mean by this. Is that like maybe that means we aren't going to see the Delvon Rowe chapter in Tom Izzo's post coaching book? <laughs> <laughs> Just to clue people in who don't know that story, um, Delvon Rowe was on a trip to North Carolina. It was Michigan State, North Carolina, that were really battling for him. And uh, he committed to North Carolina when he was on that trip in the coach's office. Mm-hmm. But his dad wasn't with him on that trip. And when his dad found out about it, he said, nope, not happening. Not that way. And so he ended up committing to Michigan State, and uh, Roy was apparently very unhappy about that. Now, he didn't accuse Michigan State of cheating or anything, as far as I know, but he was just – that's the thing. There were these little back and forths. There was the, there was the deal with um, uh, with uh, the, the 2000 Final Four where um, Roy was crying about, you know, the Wisconsin-Michigan State game, which was an ugly game, but it was the fourth time those teams had played. Mm-hmm. And Wisconsin under Dick Bennett was always going to play ugly, you know? And, and Roy was kind of one of, the, one of the people at that stage who was really pushing for changes in terms of the way the game is officiated. Yeah. And, and, that, and that was perceived, and I think correctly in some ways, to be an anti-Michigan State thing. Um, but, you know, obviously they've got a good relationship uh, for that to happen. Good enough. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, great that he was there. I, I, you know, he got to see an exciting game. I'm not sure he got to see a particularly good one. <laughs> but although both teams hit a lot of shots, it wasn't an ugly game to watch. It was a, it was a tough game for Michigan State fans to watch. Mm-hmm. I think is the truth. So, I you know I actually kind of like that uh, that concept of the farewell tour afterwards, rather yes. than than going through this big ceremonial thing every single place you go to through the whole season. That just seems kind of you mean you mean like another coach in North Carolina is doing yeah, right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's it's yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's funny because the relationship, at least publicly, between Shashevsky and Izzo seems friendlier mm-hmm. than the one with Roy and and Izzo. Not that that one seemed particularly hostile, but you know what I mean. There there've been these little bumps over the over the decades uh-huh. that um that you didn't have really with Shashevsky, but. Man, I'm with you. That that guy can't retire fast enough. Enough, <laughs> enough, enough with the sanctimony and enough with all of it. Yeah, just just hit the road. And whatever you want to say about Roy, you know he's got what three national titles. Yeah. How many does K so. have? So. K's got what one, two, three, three four. Maybe he's got four. Um, so he's a little bit ahead, but it's close. Mm. And, you know, I never felt, other than that little pontification in the 2000 Final Four, I never thought Roy was was particularly um, uh, pompous Yeah, in the way he conducted himself. So, mm. yeah, it was cool to see. Yeah. All right. Next one up is what? Northwestern? Northwestern. Okay. Well, we'll get the preview up for that one in the next few days. Until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.